office, baby! Woo! For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us. And binds us. Luminous beings shall be not this crude matter. You must feel the Force around you. Here. Between you. Me. Everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. Strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 70 of Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And unfortunately this weekend, uh, or this week, our good buddy Will Witten is not available. He had some things come up, so he wasn't able to record. But don't worry, it's not just me. As you guys know, when Will is not available, I call in one of our good buddies to come in. And take his place. And this week we've got a special guest. If you've got a Blue Harvest t-shirt. Or a Baloney Big Mac t-shirt. Or any of the other related items we sell on our Public store. Then uh, you only have one person to thank for that. And that's the guy I called in to help me out this week. The Rembrandt of Blue Harvest. The Degas of Blue Harvest. The Andy Warhol of Blue Harvest. Our good buddy Evan. Oz, what is going on, man? Uh, not much, buddy. Pretty good intro for you there, huh? Yeah, that was that was an excellent intro. I loved that. Well, I would hope so. Um, so how you been, buddy? Uh, I've been pretty good. I've been pretty busy. I've been uh, working on a few uh, new projects coming out, so that's been keeping me, uh, you know, busy and constantly working, so the usual. So how about yourself? Uh, pretty good. This episode will probably be sort of interesting because I am fucking loopy. And it's all because of a little thing we like to call Force Friday or Rogue Friday or whatever the fuck it's called this year. Um, we're actually recording this on Rogue Friday. And uh, I had the, quite the experience hunting down these fucking Star Wars collectibles. So we'll definitely get into that. Yeah, we, how many how many hours have you been up straight? Uh, well, uh, by the time I finally went to sleep, I was approaching twenty eight hours straight. Wow. Um, I did sleep some. I slept from like you know nine thirty ish till like two, so I'm not on a, a completely empty gas tank, but I am feeling the effects. Oh man, I can imagine. But just <laughs> enough to chug along, though. That's good. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, so we will definitely get into that 
and my uh, ridiculous hunt for new Star Wars toys, grown-ass man out in the wild, <laughs> fucking fighting meth heads for fucking Star Wars figures. <laughs> and uh, we'll get into a little bit of news, not a lot this week, and we got some emails, so um, why don't we just get right into it, buddy? Yeah, absolutely, let's do it. Um, well, before I get into that, I'll, I almost forgot to give them the business. If you guys want to like us, you can on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Blue Harvest Pod, and you can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. And as I mentioned, we got Evan here, and if you want a Blue Harvest t-shirt or a notebook or a coffee mug or a hoodie, long sleeve shirt, baseball tee, all of that is available at tpublic.com slash blueharvestpodcast. And to uh, everybody listening here, stay tuned. I believe we have a Will Witten Ass Crusher shirt on its way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. And I, I have a feeling there's going to be some ladies sporting that around with just a <laughs> little bit of spite on their face. But they still bought the fucking t-shirt. I think Will's going to be the only person who's not going to like that. I know, man. And, and yeah, that poor dude. I'm like, it's a compliment. It, no, it really is. But you know he's never going to wear one. Oh, no, no. You're probably right about that. You're uh, probably right about that, unfortunately. Um, so, uh, what do we got going this week? Force Friday. Did you mm -hmm. go out and do any um, Star Wars hunting today? You know what? I actually didn't get a chance to. I was going to go tomorrow. Today, I, was, I just didn't do a thing at all. I was just pretty much lazy. I was exhausted from the week. But tomorrow, I'm going to try to get all of my shopping done. I kind of live in an area where... People aren't too crazy about Star Wars, so whenever I go to a Target or a Walmart or anything like that, there's usually a lot of stuff there. Well, cool. Yeah, so I, I lucked out in, in that way, so I'm going to have to go tomorrow. I'm kind of big on the Funko Pops. I've never really oh, been yeah. a Black, Black Series collector, but the Funkos have always kind of got my interest. So, And let me say, they came out with some good-looking Pops oh, for I saw your the Rogue One on line. Yeah, I saw your picture on Twitter, and I'm like, I want every single one of those Rogue One Pops. Yeah, man. Like, um, I, I it's been a slow process for me. I bought my first Pops last year with the uh, Force Awakens line. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to get a couple here and there, ones that I, I, um, I really like. And that has quickly ballooned into <laughs> quite the little collection. I do not have quite the collection that some of my buddies, like my buddy Luke, has a... A very impressive pops collection. Oh wow! Um, but it's getting there, and uh, yeah. I probably will be going out. I don't know about tomorrow. I might need a a day to recover, but maybe Sunday, go out and search for a couple of the ones I couldn't find today. So yeah. But I think you should be in uh, good shape because initial word from you know Twitter and other people that have been going out looking for this stuff um, today and yesterday and what have you. Um, mm. Seems to be that um, stores seem a little bit better stocked than they were last year. Oh, and uh, stuff isn't flying off the shelves quite as fast. I so, figured as much because, I mean, last year was, you know, Star Wars is back kind of situation. Right. You know, and you had all those people going insane and, you know, who hadn't gotten their Star Wars fixed like that in what, like 10 years? Yeah, yeah. So... It's, it's kind of nice to have that a little bit because for the hardcores, we don't like, you know, overspend online for what should be at the store. 
So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, my experience, I guess we should just go ahead and get into it. Um, Absolutely. So I, I initially found some Rogue One stuff at my local Walmart. The Walmart I did all of my Force Friday shopping at last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they had it out early. And so I tried to grab a couple of things and they wouldn't let me check them out. Um, but from the look of things and just knowing what the cases of figures and stuff consisted of, mm-hmm. it looked pretty heavily picked over already, like someone had gotten in some out the door. Oh, geez. So I wasn't exactly um, feeling confident about this Walmart this year. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty much right. We showed up last night um, about 15 minutes before midnight and took a look at their Star Wars stuff and... It was even the little bit of stuff that was there earlier in the week was mostly gone. Uh, I managed to grab uh, an Ahsoka and a a Royal Guard in the Walmart exclusive like Mm 3.75 Black Series. Um, So that was cool. You know, I I was glad to find those because that Ahsoka for sure will be one of those things um, that everyone's going after. So it was nice to find that. Mm-hmm. And uh, originally the plan was, okay, we're going to go to this Walmart. Um, if they don't have what I'm looking for, then we're just going to get up really early on Friday morning and be at Target right when they open. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know uh, what was up with Jessie. She had some sort of wild hair up her ass and she was like, you know what? <laughs> there's there's at least two Walmarts within 30 minutes of us here that are 24 hours. Why don't we go check one of those out? Whoa. So I was like, okay, you don't have to ask me twice. Let's get in the car and go. So um, we get to the next uh, Walmart. And by this time, you know, it's it's probably about 1230 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And once again, not a whole lot of stuff out. Um, It looked like, you know, mainly um, old Force Awakens stuff. They had a couple of the new vehicles. Um, still no pops to be seen. Um, yeah. and I'm really hunting that, that saw Guerrera, um, Walmart exclusive pop nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesse does her thing where she goes up to the top shelf and pulls down some boxes and looks through them to see if there's star <laughs> Wars stuff in them and no dice. So once again, I'm like, okay, that's it. And she's like, you know what we should just do? We should go to the other Walmart and then let's just stay up all night. She's like, I'll stay up all night. We could go home. We'll play something on the Xbox or on the PlayStation. And uh, we'll go get breakfast at like 6 in the morning. And by the time we wrap that up, we can probably be at Target by like 7.30. Target opens at 8. And I'm like, look, I I don't think I can do this. I don't know that I can stay up like that anymore. I'm an old motherfucker now. (laughs) And she's like, no, it'll be fine. We'll get you an energy drink. We'll go. We'll get a late night snack. Wow, what a team player. I know. she uh, Jesse, by far, gets the MVP award for uh, Force Friday, um, oh, in my opinion. Awesome. So we leave that Walmart and uh, stop at a Whataburger, have a nice burger and some fries, delicious. Mm-hmm. Refuel. Refuel, and then head on to the next Walmart. Now, this next Walmart is interesting because it is... Not in the best part of town, we'll say. Mm -hmm. And um, we go in there, and when we pull in, I initially think that it's not even a 24-hour Walmart because there's zero cars in the parking lot. But all the lights are on, 
and and they're open so we go in and this place looks like you just stepped out of the vault in Fallout 3. <laughs> With a tumbleweed going past. Right, you're rats. expecting dog meat to walk up and, and like start fucking with you. Like You need power <laughs> armor to go in this place, right? Yeah. And there's a lady um, who I highly suspect had been partaking in some methamphetamines sitting mm. on a bench right inside the Walmart pretending that she is the Walmart greeter. Oh my God. And she's talking to herself, and she's picking at her face, and immediately I'm thinking, oh, oh, we fucked up. Yeah. We should not have come here. And so we we hightail it back to the toy section as fast as possible, and there's two people back there working who are just sitting on, on like, pallets of stuff and just chit-chatting, so... We go back there, and they're looking at us like we're crazy going into the toy aisle at, like, 1 in the morning, right? Customers? Yeah. And, uh, actually, they had a couple things I was looking for. They had the Gen um, Black Series, and they had the Cassian oh, Black nice. Series. But, once again, looked like it had been previously picked over. Um, they also had some of the 3.75 figures that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So, I picked up the Kanan and Sabine. I picked oh. up a Gen and a k2so so oh, that's awesome a nice little score for a walmart i wasn't even planning on going to i was still a little bummed that they didn't have the rest of the black series because had i been able to find that then no need to go to target the next day you know yeah you'd be completely set but uh and once again no pops three walmarts not a single new star wow. wars pop so i don't know if maybe our walmarts in our area just didn't get them in yet or they haven't put them out yet um Mm -hmm. either way just not uh, super successful on the pops and so i was a little defeated but stoked that i did find some stuff so we came back we stopped at the fucking um circle k something was afoot at the circle k Uh picked up some um some drinks some energy drinks and some snacks came back to the house and uh started playing some video games now jesse who was talking all the big shit. Oh, I can stay up 24 oh, no. hours. No big deal. I can stay up. Smooth passes out on the couch. Shit. Now, this is an interesting predicament for me because, and I, am, I know Jesse's going to hear this episode, and she will not disagree with the statement that I'm about to make. <laughs> Jesse is, is neither a morning person, nor does she like having to be woken up. Oh, no. So... As she's falling asleep, I'm like, hey, do you want to go lay in the bed or do you just want to sleep on the couch? Mm -hmm. She said, oh, I'm just going to nap for a couple hours here. And I was like, all right, well, just, you know, so we're straight. Don't be mad at me when I wake you up at six in the morning so we can go get breakfast. And she's like, oh, no, 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 I won't be mad. So I I sit and I play a little Super Star Wars on my PlayStation Mm. to get in the mood. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am running off pure adrenaline, excited about the prospect of going and getting these fucking Star Wars toys. Let me remind you, I'm a 33-year-old man this excited about some toys. <laughs> hey, that, that, that doesn't matter. I think I might be worse. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 6 o'clock rolls around. Um, I jump in the shower about 5.30 and come out, and right around 6, I wake her up, and she's super calm. She's super nice. I uh, make sure she has a nice cup of coffee. We hop in the car. We hit up the Cracker Barrel, have Mm -hmm. a little breakfast, get to Walmart, 
or not Walmart, I'm sorry, Target, right around 7.30 as planned. So 30 minutes before um, the doors open. And we pull in, and there's probably 10 cars in the parking lot, and I'm immediately defeated. I'm like, oh, shit. People beat us here. And, like, I can't see the door and stuff. And Jesse's like, no, they probably just work here. So we, we pull in, and sure enough, there's nobody lined up or anything. So it appears she's right. And we hang out in the car and just listen to some music and stuff. Well, about 10 minutes before 8, I'm like, okay, we, we got to go stand in front of the door. Because mm-hmm. I could see people were starting to pull in and just wait in their cars. And I was like, no, I want to plant my flag now as first in line for the Star Wars stuff. And you know what people do, too. Like, And you've probably seen this when you wait at midnight for video games. Like, Everybody stays still in their car, but as soon as that first person gets out, that's when everybody goes. Yep, yep. You know, so you want to be that first person. Right, and you know, a lot of it has to do with their stock issues last year, you know, and um, and it's not like, the other thing is, is, you know, um, a lot of times we make jokes about this, but the internet scalpers are out there, man, and, oh yeah, you know, you can't hate on someone for trying to make some money, have their own little online toy store business but at the same time like i'm not looking to go in and clear the shelves of stuff i'm just looking in to go in and get the few pieces i need for my collection and call it a day right yeah you just want to check off your list i mean no harm to anybody yeah and like i said i ain't looking to make a profit on these Mm -hmm. so um she's she's ragging on me so hard oh you're you don't need to go get in line now there's nobody here but uh, i persist and we go get in line and Sure enough, when the doors open, um, we run back and it is a complete jackpot. Oh. All their stuff is out on the shelves. Perfect, pristine packaging, displayed nicely, put out in order. This is the difference between a Target and a Walmart. Yeah, exactly. And I am in Star Wars heaven. Oh. So I immediately Let's... dive right in, get the Black Series I'm looking for. Get the uh, get like four of the pops I'm looking for. They finally had some, but they didn't have the full ra- a range of them. There were still a couple that I'm looking for that they didn't have. But yeah, you, once again, no big deal. Do you remember that show, Supermarket Sweeps? Oh, I wanted to I, go on that so bad as a kid. I picture that being you as soon as the door is opened and you just race down the aisle and just start shoving things in your cart. You're not far off. Yeah. You're not far off, except I was the human shopping cart and Jesse was just pl- <laughs> placing stuff in my lap and I'm cradling it like it's a human child. Yeah, I mean, people are crazy. <clears throat> um, and we met a couple other Star Wars fans. They showed up, you know, right around the same time as we did. Some were just perusing. There was a guy, actually, who's in the 501st here in the uh, Birmingham area whose name was Michael, who actually... Was familiar with my podcasts. Oh. Because I actually that? did that awkward thing that I try to do sometimes where I promote the podcast to complete strangers. And um, he was familiar. Uh, he's a big Making Star Wars fan. He knows Rogue One and whatnot. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and so, you know, no stress up at the counter. Um, I, I took advantage of that sweet $25 off of $100 of Star Wars merchandise oh, coupon. Nice. And uh, I was on my merry way. Came back to the house, took a couple of fucking glamour shots of my stuff, and hit the bed. Oh, that's awesome. I'm I'm just really glad, though, that you staying up late, like, was totally worth it, you know? Oh, yeah. It would have been quite the defeat had I stayed up for 28 hours 
mm-hmm. uh, went to Target and, you know, it had all been cleared out previously. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, and the thing that, um, you know, I'm thinking is is maybe that Target is just going to be my go-to place for these new Star Wars releases, you know, uh, unless they do a midnight event. Because had they done a, a midnight event, it would have probably been um, a different circumstance. You know, a lot of the stuff probably would have been cleared out already. Yeah. But uh, they didn't, so... Uh, I lucked out in that regard. Um, yeah, that went great. And I got to say, compared to last year, um, just from what I saw with my own eyes, at this Target at least, it did look like they were way more well-stocked than last mm-hmm. year. Um, I had read in a rumor online that uh, the unmasked Kylo Ren Black Series figure that came out in this wave. Yeah, with the hood. Yes, is the one that was like the chase figure, meaning there's only one per case. Oh, shit, and you got him. I did, and it's interesting because if that's the case, this Target got six, maybe seven cases. They had a ton of them. Oh, wow. So I'm kind of thinking maybe that's not the case. The figure that I saw the least of was the Death Trooper. Uh So that makes me think that one may actually be the chase uh, figure in those cases but who knows maybe they just got a shit ton of star wars product i think w- the the death trooper probably will be the chase one mainly because people are going to want to like collect as many probably are going to be in rogue one which is six right yeah I, I, we're hearing six maybe seven okay yeah who do you think is going to be the zuvio of this black series <clears throat> well in this black series honestly i don't know that there there is going to be a zuvio um yeah. now because it's it's so main character centric. It's Jen, Cassian, K two S O, the Death Trooper, and Unmasked Kylo, um, and I don't really see any of those being peg warmers. Yeah, um, I will say this: in the three point seven five figures, there is definitely a Zuvio contender, and that is the one that's called the Imperial Ground Forces. Hmm. And. Uh, you know, in, at the end of the first Rogue One trailer, that black Imperial outfit that Jen is wearing where she's got like what looks like yes. the two weapons on her back? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the uniform she's she's wearing is the Imperial Ground Forces uniform. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought it was a soldier. I'm like, I don't know what that is. So, yeah, this uh, Imperial Ground Forces, he looks cool, but I could also see it being like, eh, you know, I'll pick that one up later. Right now I'm going to get the more important stuff. Yeah. Um. But just looking and comparing um, the amount of stuff I got last year versus this year, there is less out there for sure as far as 3.75 figures. Um, there's about the same, you know, I, you know, it's a, it's a wave of Black Series, so that's about the same. But it looks mm-hmm. like they scaled back the releases, and, and hopefully by doing that, they're going to eliminate these, these Zuvio I, issues, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was probably a hard decision for them because number one, you had to look at the sales from last year and say, "Hey, we got to put, you know, more of the prime stuff on the shelves." And then again, though, on the other hand, you got to think, "Hey, that was the Force Awakens. This is Rogue One." So it's like, do we scale back a little bit? You know what I mean? So right. they're probably really trying to feel it out these first like two months and probably a couple months after the movie actually hits. So <laughs> yeah, and um. You know, it'll be interesting to see, because um, we were getting Force Awakens figures well into this year, yeah. Um, especially in the Black Series. So it'll be interesting to see if 
we get as many Force Awakens Black Series figures, mm-hmm. um, or not Force Awakens Rogue One rather, or if um, you know they're going to pad out these releases with a couple of Rogue One figures and then some other, because there's there's a lot of anticipated figures coming down the uh, the pipeline. We got a Qui Gon coming sometime next year. We oh, got a, that, that's awesome. Yeah, we got a Revan coming. Um, old Ben Kenobi, uh, a New Hope Princess Leia, um, C-3PO. So there is stuff coming out that is not Rogue One-centric that I imagine they will mix in with these releases to give you know, the waves that may mm-hmm. have some sort of secondary Rogue One characters um, in them, give them some heat, you know, get them mm-hmm. a little more attention. When you um, were saying that, that kind of made me think of a question for you. Okay. And that is... So how do you think, with this being a standalone movie completely contained in, you know, this story, how do you think merchandise like that will be looked at a year from now, whenever episode eight comes out? You know what I mean? Like, do you, because whenever you see something like, um, let's say an Obi-Wan or or a Luke Skywalker, like all these, all these movies come to mind, but whenever you have such less content to base these, these people off of, you think that will make them like unenticing to the general public once like basically the rogue one DVDs released and it kind of fizzles out. Uh, you know, that is something I've actually thought about a good bit is, is, is not with just the merchandise, but just sort of the legacy of this movie, you know? Yeah. Um, cause it's, it's clearly, I think structured to be a self-contained story where I doubt there is going to be a sequel to Rogue One. Even if it does really well, I think it's just going to be its own little self-contained story, one and done, you know? Yeah, like the success of Rogue One's going to be the green light for future standalones, but not the actual sequel story. To right. It, you know, so. Um, if, if by some crazy, you know, crazy circumstance it did as well as The Force Awakens at the box office, which is a tall order. Mm-hmm. Um, but if for some reason it did, then I could see, you know, them being enticed into trying maybe to bring some of those characters back, but, um, it'll be interesting to see. Now, as far as the merchandise goes, it could really go either way. See, weird things I've noticed happened, um, since I've gotten back into the collecting, um, a good example of this would be the Anakin Skywalker Black Series figure, mm-hmm. which was a peg warmer. For the longest time, I passed it up myself a couple of times in favor of a couple of other figures. Well, then, uh, yeah, once I remember it, you tell me about this. Once it leaves the shelves, it skyrockets in price because people can't get it anymore, and there's literally people on eBay selling them for a hundred bucks. You know, maybe even a hundred and fifty. And the price on those has actually sort of leveled off. Mm-hmm. Um, and another good example of this would be General Hux from the Black Series line. Did you complete your Force Awakens Black Series line? General Hux is still the He's last the one, one I'm missing. Oh, jeez. And and really, it's just going to take biting the bullet. I had a pre-order on a site that was supposed to be getting some in, but I got an email that my order had been canceled, so something clearly fell through with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's just a matter of biting the bullet and getting online and buying one. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I actually like the process of going out and finding these things or sometimes with what I did with a lot of my Force Awakens Black series was wait until the less popular characters went on clearance and then I scooped them up for, you know, 
five to cheap. eight bucks a piece as yeah. opposed to 20. So, you know, I'm not always looking to go out and get every single one the day it comes out, you know, for, for full retail or whatever. But I do like yeah. to, to try and complete the set. Um, so with this stuff seeming to not be flying off the shelves like last year's stuff, I could see some select figures and stuff maybe going up in price if they don't really sell. And then people are like, oh, shit, I never got that one. I want to add it to my collection. You know, and there's some dude in Iowa with 40 of them in his basement slowly drip feeding them <laughs> through eBay, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, too going along with the standalone fact is probably by what 2020 you're going to have probably what four versions or five versions of black series kylo you know? oh yeah and and but with rogue one like you're probably going to have what two versions of of you know Jyn Erso or maybe one of cassian like it's going to be super limited so i f i find it really hard to believe that the rogue one's line is not going to be like rare you know, eventually. So. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, they will definitely, and see, the other thing is, is um, they sort of took a hit last year for um, what I felt was sort of unfair. Um, you know, not, well, I'm, I can't say unfair because I, I feel like it's wholly Hasbro's fault, but they did take some heat for there not being enough Ray merchandise available mm -hmm. last year. And since then, they've been really good. In fact, the sixth figure in this wave was a repack of Ray from The Force okay. Awakens. So they're definitely trying to get more of her out there. And um, hopefully they continue that trend with Jen Erso because, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of heat around that character for the same reason mm -hmm. uh, there was for Ray. And that's because, you know, it's a female lead in Star Wars. Um, and you know, the interesting thing about that too is they're going to be more careful. Now, not only do they have last year's, like, their tendencies with Ray on their record, but now you have a movie where there's less distractions from that main character. Like, like in the force awakens, you know, you had, you had Han Solo, you had Chewie, you had eventually, you know, Luke, like you had all these returning characters. Mm -hmm. So like losing Ray in the shuffle, it, it is unacceptable, but they could kind of get away with it to an extent. But with a movie like this, where outside of, you know, let's say Vader, and maybe Mon Mothma or something like that. Like these are going to be new people where Jin's obviously, you know, the protagonist and you just can't dance around not promoting her, you know? Right. And right now it looks like we're getting um, at least two versions of Jin um, in the Black Series line. There's a Kmart exclusive, mm -hmm. um, very similar to their Kylo and Rey exclusives that they did um, for The Force Awakens with a special base and stuff. Um, she's also going to be packed into a three pack. That's a target exclusive that comes with Jen. It comes with an alternate version of Cassian and an alternate version of the death trooper. Oh, nice. Um, the Jen. it's unfortunate. I wish they had been able to do some sort of third version of Jen for that pack in just so all three were variants. Um, the Jen is just the same one that's in the regular black series, but still a set I will be on the lookout for. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. As of right now, what seems to be the most elusive Black Series figure is the Toys R Us exclusive um, hover tank driver or tank trooper, um, which conveniently happens to be the one I'm looking for the most. Um, but just uh, 
haven't been able to find one yet, but I'm going to keep looking. Um, yeah, you know, you should do is try to come up with a list of ones that you think are, you know, that you might not be able to find. Send it my way, and then I'll check around my area since people aren't like crazy as much. Okay, and I'll, and I'll see because tomorrow I'm going to go hunting for Sagarera. Okay. So yeah, because I I've, I've been on uh, Reddit ever since you told me that saw was a little hard to find and there's all these people already saying how hard it is to get him so that might that might be quick to go rare so i want to try to scoop him up you know maybe a couple yeah and also keep an eye out uh it's not something that will be out um he's not out yet but there's a special death trooper pop that's coming out um that is a walmart exclusive that's like a chrome death trooper oh, wow. And that one is going to be crazy expensive if, um, you know, on the secondary market. So that's one I'm going to be keeping an eye out for. Uh, hopefully, I just luck out and, and I can find it. But if not, that is going to be a crazy chase figure or pop yeah. or, or whatever. So keep an eye out for that, too, when okay. you're out there looking at um, at Walmart. Um, yeah. Because I'm not a crazy, crazy Star Wars merchandise collector to the point where I'm a completionist with like any figures or anything. I kind of just like uh, I buy whatever memorabilia that I think would look good on a display or right. anything like that. But I am a sucker for stuff that looks like it's going to be rare, you know. Oh yeah. And so that's fun to chase. Oh yeah, I mean that is that is a lot of fun. And last year their um, their exclusive was a like a storm or a snowtrooper commander. And mm -hmm. I couldn't find it forever to the point where I was like, you know what? I probably just need to give up on this one. And then out of nowhere, one of my buddies on Twitter, Chris, was like, guess what I just found? And hot damn, he found me a, oh, wow. a, a snow trooper commander. So, you know, I, I'm going to try and play the long game with this uh, hover tank trooper. And uh, I don't need to get it immediately, which mm -hmm. is a tough thing for me to say. I'm Halls Burkhart and I have a problem. <laughs> um no you don't you just love star wars yeah yeah and uh but you know it'll happen i'll find one eventually and hopefully not for some crazy scalper ebay prices yeah um, exactly that reminds me i meant to look up what those are going for now i'll do that real quickly um but otherwise i think that pretty much wraps up the uh force friday discussion mm -hmm. um you said, uh, you told me that uh, we were talking in text the other day that you have a buddy of yours who has never seen Star Wars. Yes. Uh, and you have been, over the last few months, introducing them um, to the saga that we love so much. So how is that going? Well, it all started, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe we started very early at the beginning of the year with A New Hope. And then probably around June, we started doing like movies like more rapid. So we did Empire Strikes Back probably like oh, two weeks later, Return of the Jedi. And then uh, actually Monday, I believe this week, we did The Phantom Menace. Nice. Um, so as far as when it all started with A New Hope, he really liked A New Hope. Uh, his name's Keenan, just to throw that out there, just if I, if I mention that. So he really liked A New Hope. He thought the pacing, though, was a little bit slow, which, I mean... That is a fair assessment of that movie. Yeah, especially, like, if, if you've never seen them. Yes. And, you know, you're used to how movies are today. Like, I, I understand that completely. So, he, he really did like A New Hope. He thought The Empire Strikes Back, 
was the best out of all of them, which I'm not surprised, you know. Right. Um, he he said that he really liked, though, that it was like a real tiny story, you know, how it was, if you really look at like how far the characters travel, it's not too crazy, to be honest. And I think he said that he liked that a lot about how everything was very contained. Uh, he loved Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. He loved yeah. him. Yeah. He he loved whenever uh, in Return of the Jedi, whenever he's getting ready to lift his gun, and then he he slowly lowers it when he knows everything's cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. But um, but going into The Empire Strikes Back, that was around the time when the news about Donald Glover possibly being Lando um, was coming out, and um, he's super familiar with Donald Glover. I mean, we both listened to his music, we watched him act on Community. <clears throat> so um, I take it. That being said, you're a, a fan of that idea of Donald Glover being Lando. You know, to be honest, I'm not. Really? Yeah. I mean, he is. Um, it, I, I think for me, it's like I know that he could do a good job. It's not a knock on him. It's actually, a, it's like a personal problem for me where I'm only, I know him so well that I'm only going to see Donald Glover acting yeah. as Lando, you know? I could see that. Yeah. I think, I honestly think he could knock it out of the park. I'm also a huge Donald Glover fan, um, mm -hmm. big community fan. Oh, um, yeah. So I could see him doing a really good job, but I can also see what you're saying. Like, in the lead up to The Force Awakens, like, one of the things I was saying to friends and family is like, I don't want them to get too many super well-known people because I don't want to go into this being like, oh, that's so-and-so mm -hmm. um, playing this character. Um, so that's why I think, even though I was vaguely familiar with uh, John Boyega because of Attack the Block, um, mm -hmm. that's why I think you know they did such a good job casting for Star oh, Wars is because at no point was I separated from, oh, no, this is just Finn, this is just Ray, this is just poe dameron and and what have you so um, yeah and, and i might not even be being fair about donald glover mainly because when i when i watched the phantom menace you know with keen the other day i didn't see liam neeson i saw quagon jinn i didn't see samuel jackson i saw mace windu you know what i mean like i say yeah. that now but whenever they're in the world I, it, I like star wars is completely forgivable i mean you know what i mean like i, I might never notice so. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Now, with Liam Neeson, it's tough for me because I don't know that I saw anything with Liam Neeson in it before The Phantom Menace. I know he was in a ton of stuff. Actually, no, I take that back because he was in that movie Exc Excalibur, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay, so I saw that. Um, now, Samuel L. Jackson is a good point because, you know, obviously I had seen Pulp Fiction uh, mm -hmm. well before The Phantom Menace. So, yeah, that, I mean, that is a good point. And, and I think it'll be interesting um, with episode eight with, like, uh, Laura Dern and Benicio Del Toro coming in. Yeah, that's going to be really fascinating. Because, uh, you know, they're two people, not so much Laura Dern, but definitely uh, Benicio Del Toro that I've seen more of his work, you know. and Yeah, um, yeah. And that's that's what I'm curious, like, about Donald Glover. Like I said, I mean... His chemistry, I might not even, you know, really think twice about it. But, I mean, my friend Keenan, he said, this after the second that he saw the scene with Lando on Cloud City, whenever he hugged uh, Han, he was like, I could see Donald Glover nailing that. You know, so he yeah. was confident in that. So he really did like The Empire Strikes Back. We got to Return of the Jedi. And surprisingly, he actually loved the Ewoks. 
So, hey man, that's cool with me. Yeah, that worked for him. Um, he uh, was saying how like basically the conclusion of how everything happened with Vader in this movie really made him want to get to the prequels because he wanted to find out like all these questions. And he said to me, you know, hey, like how far did you go back? And I was like, I believe like Anakin's eight years old when we first see him. And he's like, cool. And I was like, oh, didn't expect that, you know. Now, before you showed him The Phantom Menace, did he have any preconceived idea? Because, you know, a lot of times I think, and it's just because I'm so embedded in this fandom, like, oh, everybody knows that the general opinion of the prequels isn't that high. Like, it's just a a known thing. Did he have any of those, I don't know, prejudices? Is that what I'm looking for? Did he have any of that going in? You know what? That's the fascinating thing, though, is that he didn't. Like, he is so far removed from the Star Wars world and the knowledge that, you know, he's really big into pop culture and everything, but, but this kind of never crossed his path. So he had no clue. But I did say to him, now... The prequels are coming. You know, we're doing the prequels next. I want to put it out there that they are a different feel than the other ones. I said, but personally, I like them a lot. And I told him I was like, Revenge of the Sith is my favorite movie of all of them. Right. Um, so I was like, just just go into it and just have fun, you know, because obviously not being a huge Star Wars critic, he's just going to go for the ride. So we started watching The Phantom Menace. And as soon as it started, probably about like, 10 minutes in he asked me to pause it and i paused it and he was like i just want to say that for 1999 the cgi is incredible right i yeah. think for all the hate that the cg and the prequels gets um i think that's unfair in a lot of cases because mm-hmm. you know people want to hype up andy circus as Gollum in uh the first lord of the rings movie which was like what 2001 yeah you know what let me look that up but yeah but and even if you go and look at, um, you know, the documentary of the Phantom Menace, like you saw some of the stuff they were doing and they didn't think half of it was possible until oh, yeah. George Lucas wouldn't say, wouldn't take no for an answer. And just, <laughs> those fucking but, highlighters on that, uh, <laughs> on those storyboard, man. Like I literally think they edited out the sound of some of those dudes shitting their pants. Like, yeah, you want us to do what? Oh my God. Yeah. And you, I think it was on your podcast the one time when you were talking, cause you were like, He's like, did you see the look on those dudes' faces whenever George Lucas wanted to do that? And they looked at each other behind his back. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I I don't know I, if I've necessarily brought that. I know what you're talking about. Steel, um, mm-hmm. Steel from Steel Wars talks about that moment quite a bit in his yes. show. You know what? He brought that up on Making Star Wars. Yes, that's, that's probably what you're thinking about. But I, I mean, I know exactly the moment yep. he's talking about. Yep. But yes. Um, um, but yeah, okay. So Lord of the Rings was 2001. Okay, so okay. yeah, two years before that, George Lucas was essentially doing Gollum mm-hmm. with Jar Jar, you know? Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. And, and um, it, the problem comes in with people didn't like the character. Had people liked the character of Jar Jar, then you would have seen him getting praise for the technical achievement of Jar oh, Jar, yeah. you know? Oh, for sure, no doubt. And that's, I mean, he even said to me, when we paused it, he said, this is amazing. And I said, to be completely honest, I said, this was because I told him beforehand, I said, people have some issues with this movie. I said, I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to, you know, do any bias or anything. Like, I want to preserve the rarity that you have going into this. And when I paused it and he said that, I was like, that's funny. I said, because that's one of the biggest gripes about the prequels is that there's too much CGI. And he's like, I don't see a problem at all with this. He said, 
you look at movies today like Jurassic World. He said, you can't tell me that doesn't have more CGI than this does. You know? Oh, for sure. And, and, and that's sort of the double standard that some people have with Star Wars that annoys me where the same person will fucking spend all day. And, and trust me, I love this movie I'm about to bring up. Mm-hmm. It is currently my favorite comic book movie, but Civil War, Captain oh, America's yeah. Civil War. That movie is a great movie, and you hear nothing but people talking how awesome it is. Mm -hmm. Deservedly so, I think. But that airport sequence, all green screen. Oh, yeah. The Black Panther's costume, completely CGI. Iron Man's Mm -hmm. costume, completely CGI. And you never hear people being like, oh, Civil War was too CG for me. Yep. You want to know what I wonder about that? Is I wonder if the if I mean you figure okay so we'll take Marvel fandom starting in around 2008 when Iron Man came out. Now this is just film. I don't mean to say nothing before that existed, you know. But I wonder if once they get to a phase of Marvel movies when when you know Robert Downey Jr. is no longer Iron Man and Chris Evans is no longer Captain America, I wonder if you're going to have like this group that says the why are you doing this? This is never as good as this. Like I wonder if right now is the Marvel fandoms, the cinematic fandoms original trilogy. Right. And it's so young that they can't say that the new stuff is shitty because they still kind of have Luke Han and Leia right now. You know, that's, that's probably a really good point. And honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with the age of viewers and the fact that this whole anti prequel sort or anti CGI, Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to use rhetoric. It seems like a strong sort of assholey word to use, but this whole anti CG thing, like is, this culture, yeah, is like so ingrained in the Star Wars fandom from old fans who've been there since the beginning. The thing I always liked about the CG is when I was growing up, my dad, who introduced me to Star Wars, always impressed on me how amazing the special effects were for the time. Oh yeah. And how that was one of George Lucas's focuses in making those movies is he wanted it to be technically amazing. It, he wanted to, to, it to be th- something that people hadn't seen before in a very familiar type story, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like that's what he was trying to do with the prequels. He was just trying to push technology forward. Yes. And I think the benefit of some of the risks and experimentation he took in those movies um, is underappreciated when mm-hmm. you go see a movie like Civil War or you go see Jurassic World or Avatar. Like all this amazing CG work that you're seeing, it it's not 100% George Lucas, but you gotta give the dude his props at yeah, least he, a little bit in yeah, that regard. He, he pushed it, you know, and it's and it's why I don't understand how Avatar is is praised the way that it is. Like it's it's a CGI fest, and you can't tell me that there are people who love Avatar. The same people who hate the prequels for the CGI. I just think that's a cop out. It's yeah. an easy it's an easy criticism to get on the side of the masses. You know, right, right, so, and and you know it's it's at this point the argument's done. Those movies have been done and finished for over ten years now. It's time to move on. We got new Star Wars coming mm-hmm. out. You know, um, so uh, sorry I keep interrupting. Oh, no, that's okay. I was going to say real quick, though, 
I feel like the reason why it's kind of still an issue is because there does seem to be some type of culture of dancing around their existence. Like the bastard stepchild of, you know, the the Star Wars family, you know? Right. Um, which, that's the thing, though, is in, in the Battlefront game, there's not even a scent of, of prequel content. And that's, look, that's fine. Their, their first Battlefront game under, under DICE and this new branding, they want to establish the original trilogy, what started it all. Fine. Right. But from all accounts from what I'm hearing, which is still just speculation at the moment, the next game is supposed to be focusing on the, um, the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, I, I get it. You want to capitalize on where everything is heading, but then I don't, then I don't see a time in the future where the prequels make sense. You know, like you're not going to make a battlefront three with the prequels after the sequel trilogy. It just, I don't know. That's just a, sorry. I was just ranting about that. Well, you know what battlefront is an interesting, because while there are not large, obvious references to prequels, there are tiny little things, you know? Um, And when I say tiny, I mean the tiniest imaginable references. Um, Like, the fact that Tim Mora Morrison did the voice for Boba Fett. Yes, and I really did like that. I like that too, but you know, at, at its core, that's rooted with the prequels, but not really. Mm-hmm. And you know, instead of giving us, say, the um, what was the first expansion they did, Outer Rim or whatever. Yeah, that was yeah. I where you, Outer Rim was the first one. Where you add Neon Nub and Greedo. Why not give us a prequel DLC that adds Naboo and adds you know, Qui-Gon and Darth Maul or, or young mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, you know? Yeah. I'm not asking for a fully prequel based battlefront game, but in a world where you're going to be making these probably on a bi-yearly basis, and there's probably going to be four DLC packs every time you put one of these out, mm-hmm. throw me a couple of those that are prequel based, you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I understand the timelines up, but like, how we're getting the Rogue One DLC, you know, in January, which I, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, because like we said before, the best the best time to do it is when the hype is high because you're not going to get it again. Right. So I'm not, you know, I have nothing against that. It's just like you said, hey, throw me a, you know, a Tatooine pack or, you know, th- throw me a, a Naboo or something, something tiny and, you know, move on your way. But that's the thing is the, the prequels have so many planets and places to go in them like. And when and such beautiful architecture and oh yeah like the I can only imagine because to me the strongest thing about Battlefront is its its graphics oh my god yeah beautiful I mean just fucking gorgeous and I I can only imagine being able to play on say Naboo Ugh. or something with that game engine it would just look amazing and it would look different from the other stuff we're getting now once again I'm not poo pooing on say Cloud City or the Death Star DLC, those make perfect sense to me, but almost in the way that, like, they make perfect sense because there's something that probably should have been in the base game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it kind of raises the question for me personally, whenever I saw the heroes and the villains that they scraped up, you know, to put in these DLCs, which, again, I have no problems against Bosk or or Neonum or Greedo or anything like that. I don't, but it's kind of like, you can't tell me they didn't spend a couple hours in that room thinking, like, what are we going to do? Was there not one dude in that room that was like, hey, guys, Darth Maul, why don't we just do that? Exactly. Because clearly you're not, like, 
the only way that you can do something that's supposed to be canon in Battlefront is if you have a story-based campaign. Mm-hmm. When you make it a multiplayer-only game, then that to me means all boundaries are off the table. You can mm-hmm. have a big battle on Hoth where Darth Maul fights Luke Skywalker in his Jedi gear because oh, yeah. this is just this is just a fucking it's a game. At yeah, that point, and- it's not part of canon. Yep. It doesn't need to be treated with the same velvet gloves that canon material needs to be treated with. You can make it, um, you know, your wildest Star Wars fantasies. And I don't know why they didn't go for more of that, you know? Yeah. I mean, clearly they were comfortable with that too because they launched the actual base game with Luke and his Return of the Jedi gear on Hoth, you know? Right. So it's clear that they weren't super strict about it. I mean, eventually they patched it, but still, I mean, you know... But, yeah, but sorry, I sidetracked us from this. But as far as the him seeing the Phantom Menace, so as soon as Jar Jar came on screen, I, I was like, look, this isn't so original trilogy-like. I said, but this is like the biggest thing people criticize when they go to the prequels, even though that this is his only big role in the movies. Right. So, and um, so he was he was watching and kind of like really studying – I, I guess it's, he's not really that complex, but you know he was he was watching closely, and he said to me he was like like once you accept Jar Jar for what he is, he said I don't have a problem with him, you know. He said I, I would I might have a problem with him if I if I wanted him to go a certain direction and be this kind of character or say this. He said, but from the beginning of meeting him, I can tell what his purpose is, and once I accept that, then anything he says after that. It's understandable, you know, like all the, all the kids stuff. Right. So he took he took Jar Jar really well. Um, he really liked the Padme posing as Amidala's handmaiden um, piece to that. That really blew him away, and he like looked over at me like shocked. I'm like, yeah, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, and then he hated that Darth Maul and Qui Gon had to die because he went into the movie. One of my other buddies had, had accidentally spoiled that Qui Gon dies. And he went into the movie, he was like, oh, yeah, okay, Liam Neeson character dies. And then he started to fall in love with him during the movie. Right. And as I was, he was fighting Darth Maul, he was like, I do not want him to die. And as soon as Obi-Wan was cut off from those laser doors, he was like, this is it. I'm yep. like, mm. um, And then another part that he did like, um, at the funeral, uh, Qui-Gon's funeral, when Obi-Wan is standing there with Anakin and he's saying, you know, we, this impending Sith threat is coming, and then the, the camera pans to Palpatine. He was like, oh, and he looked at me. He was like, "That's that's the Emperor." I'm like, "Yep, nice, and then, nice." Yeah. That's good to see him put it, put that together, man. Yeah, I was really impressed because what was funny is that scene. Remember the scene right before that where you know Palpatine famously says to Anakin, "We'll be watching your future with great interest." Right. You know, and then he was like. Uh, he was like thinking out loud and he was like, yeah, he's like, you'll all be dead, you know, after that. And then I was, you know, laughing to myself thinking like he has no clue and can't wait till he finds out probably around like episode three. And then the next scene happened and he's like, oh my God, that's pop or that's, you know, it's Emperor. I'm like, damn, nice work. Yeah, man, that's cool. Yeah. So he figured that out quick. Um, and then two things that he did not like that I wrote down. He did not like Jake Lloyd yelling yippee. Okay, I can give him that one for yeah, sure. Yeah, he he was like he was a little little cringing at that. And then another thing, he did, also didn't like Boss Nass's uh, little motorboat. 
Oh, he didn't like a motorboat, huh? Yeah, because he he just felt like the Gungans were hard to understand a little bit. You know, it's interesting to me, and I know why it didn't happen, because George Lucas was like, oof, I took my, my beating on that Jar Jar and Gungan thing, but I'm mm-hmm. really surprised we never got any more Boss Nass. Um, the, the way the stories yeah, of the next two movies one. go, it makes sense because they never really spend all that much time on Naboo except for some fucking talking about sand and, and, uh, and, uh, Natalie Portman sitting by a fireplace in what looks like a very uncomfortable outfit. (laughs) Um, but you know, we see him briefly at her funeral, um, which was, uh, you know, a nice little callback, but I still can't believe, um, that we didn't get any more boss Nass in the next two. Um, yeah, I did find that strange. But I mean, you know, I, I did like him as a character too. Yeah, I mean, of of all the things that sort of get under uh, on my nerves about the prequels, Boss Nass doesn't even really yeah. affect me that much. It's like when people hate, um, what's his name, Dexter Jetster. I'm like, mm-hmm. why do you hate him so much? Like he doesn't even affect me. Um, yeah, and I also think the CG for him is really good. Yeah, they did a great job on on all the Gungans and like watching that again. I watched it on my uh, like the Blu-ray edition. Like, it is gorgeous of a movie. Like, go, when they do those overhead shots of Naboo, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's cool. You'll have to uh, next time you come on, you'll have to keep us updated on um, his his thoughts on the next three. Yeah, absolutely. Because right after we had watched. Um, what if we watched the Phantom Menace? I threw on a trailer for Attack of the Clones, and he watched it, and he was like, "Don't take this the wrong way." He was like, "But this that kind of looked like filler to get to the next movie." And I'm um, like, I was like, like partial. I was like, maybe I said, but you need to like, see, I was like, you need to see Anakin's development first. I said that's kind of like what this is about. I said, yeah, you know. It, I would say that it is uh, there is a little bit of filler there, but there's also some really important stuff in mm. the development of Anakin's character. Um, and without that, like it would make his fall to the dark side in episode three seem like a complete surprise. And like, yeah, you know, that, so in that regard, there's definitely some important stuff to be had in Attack of the Clones, even though like I know of of all the the Star Wars movies, it's the one I'm the hardest on. But it's it's definitely got its place of importance in the saga, you know, I feel. I feel the same way about the Attack of the Clones. I think out of all of them, I think that might be the weakest movie, in my opinion. I just, it just seems to me that, that that movie was filmed very strangely in comparison to the other ones. Like It kind of right. looks like somebody rub, rubbed their greasy finger over the lens, even even in like Blu-ray. It, it just doesn't seem so crisp. I don't you know. know. I think... A lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, that was the first movie ever, like, full-length movie completely shot digitally. Hmm, okay. <clears throat> and I think that has a lot to do with that. I think that um, that's why, for some aspects, visually, that movie doesn't hold up. And I think for all the hate the prequel, uh, like, the Phantom Menace gets in for CGI, like, I think there's a lot weaker CGI in attack mm-hmm. of the clones in some places. And I think it's all interconnected to the fact that George Lucas really wanted to move over to using digital cameras only. Yeah. Um, 
And like, I am not a super cinephile to where I can watch something and be like, oh, this was shot on film. But I can appreciate certain things that are shot on film after knowing they are, for instance, Lost, the show. Yes. Mm -hmm. Completely shot on film. And there is a look to Lost that's just better than most of the stuff you see on TV nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... JJ, like a lot of people sort of hated on JJ filming The Force Awakens on film and being like, oh, like he's just being old school. He's just doing it to do it. But I think there, in some ways, The Force Awakens looks more like a Star Wars movie than Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that it was shot on film. Mm-hmm. And I think like the one of the harder scenes for me to kind of swallow whenever I watch that movie. It always stands out to me. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but it's at the beginning of the film whenever Anakin and Obi-Wan are walking into um, Padme's, the one, not her room, but it's kind of like in the common area, and that's whenever they have that awkward argument. Right. With each other. It, the CGI in, in the wide shot where you could kind of see the whole room, I think that might be the worst of all of the prequels to me. Um, okay. And there, there's a couple moments in that movie where it's like that. But to be completely honest, like at the end of the day, if it's Star Wars, I mean, I love it. So yeah, same here. Like it's, look, these are movies I've all seen so many times that at this point, like, I can point out the little stuff I don't like, or sometimes the almost big stuff I don't like. But at the end of the day, I still love these movies. I would still rather watch Attack of the Clones than any movie that's not Star Wars. You know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's how I feel too. I mean, I, I say these things, but at the end of the day, you, yeah, exactly what you said. I'd watch this over almost anything. Um, and, uh, my, for, for me, my least favorite CG shot in all of the prequels is in Attack of the Clones. And it's, uh, at the end of the, the droid factory sequence, Star Wars Mario Brothers. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's when, <laughs> uh, Django Fett like jumps down from the ceiling and holds him up and he's like, uh, freeze Jedi or whatever it is he says. Um, yep. my, our, my buddy Vader Nick actually pointed this out to me. Like he looks like a Kenner figure. It, it looks like they used like his Hasbro figure instead of CGI and him in. Like it looks really off for some reason. Yeah. I know um, exactly what you're talking about. But uh, you know, uh, it's, it's something that I feel like they had mostly ironed out with the digital filming and, and using CGI in that digital filming by the time um, episode three ra- uh, came around. Yeah, they uh, once yeah, like you said, once, once episode three got around, they they really just top notch CGI. I mean, Mustafar was unbelievable. It was just insane. So well, yeah, and and like it, it, Mustafar, the Battle of Coruscant at the beginning looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, I and for Attack of the Clones, that scene where. Django and Obi-Wan are flying through the asteroid field looks amazing. So oh, it's that, not yeah. all bad yeah, by any I means. Love that. They definitely nailed some of it. And, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, no matter what, these movies are going to show their age. Just like yep. you're talking about your buddy having a little problem with the pacing of the original Star Wars. Like, that's just because that's a movie that was made in 1977. Mm-hmm. Films were made differently back then. Scripts were written differently. Movies were paced differently. So that's actually one of Star Wars' charm to me is because it seems like each movie is very indicative of the the time period it was released in. 
while mm-hmm. also feeling, you know, pretty timeless. So Yeah, exactly. And that's actually another reason why I can't um I can't really rate The Force Awakens yet. Like I kind of refuse to put it on my top 7 because what it's like I I think to myself each one of them is all about each one of the films is, in their respective trilogies is all about how do they contribute to each trilogy. Right. And it's like I think to myself if I was just to watch The Phantom Menace like, I, I think I would put it somewhere different than if I was to watch the whole trilogy. So to me, like, I think The Force Awakens has the potential to be very high depending on, I guess, personally, if I like what they do with those characters. You know what I mean? No, so, I know exactly what you mean. Like, yeah. I'm going to, I know for a fact I'm going to feel very differently, not in a bad way necessarily, but I won't say very differently, but episode eight is going to affect how I feel about episode seven. Mm-hmm. And episode nine is going to affect how I feel about episode seven, eight, and nine yeah. once we have this whole trilogy wrapped up, you know? It, yeah, exactly. Because there's some things that were like seeds that were probably planted in seven that we don't even realize are plants until we get to episode nine, you know? So it'll be interesting oh, yeah. to see. Um, side note, uh, since we, had, we were talking about collectibles, did you see the Hot Toys Darth Vader? Yes, man. Wow. If I was a rich man, this <laughs> house would be covered in Star Wars hot toys, man. Mm-hmm. Um they I mean they do such a good job. Hot Toys Bandai with their SH figure arts and Tamashi Nations. There's just a, there's it's a great time and in the same regards a bad time to be a Star Wars collector because <laughs> yeah. like I want it all, man, but you know, I ain't I got bills to pay. I like, I got to be a responsible adult as much as like when I was at target today, I was like, you know, I could just get all the vehicles too. I would like yeah. that tie striker in my star Wars room. It looks pretty neat. Yep. Um, but you know, uh, it's a, a, what, a, what an embarrassment of riches it with, really is. with all these, uh, cool star Wars things we're getting nowadays. And man, it's, it's cool. And yet, uh, my finances sometimes don't think it's necessarily that yep. cool. Exactly. That's what I think of every time I go to buy like some collectible like that. And I think of my girlfriend and I'm like, you know what? She's forgiving on a lot of accounts. Let's not push it, you know? So that's how I feel with it. Yeah, I don't think Jesse would give me too much shit about like if, if let's say I was like, you know what? Uh, he's my favorite character. This mm. is an amazing piece. I'm going to plop down the almost 300 bucks for a Hot Toys Boba Fett. Yeah. Like, you know, because Jesse knows I'm not the type that's going to be like, hey, instead of paying the power bill, I'm going to buy hot toys. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, you exactly. know, she knows I'm going to take care of us first before I go out and get Star Wars stuff. But, you know, if I was every three months spending 300 bucks on one Star Wars figure, I could see that mm-hmm. maybe rubbing her the wrong way, understand? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or maybe, you know, you're like, hey, let's not go to dinner tonight so I can save, you know, some money for this hot toy, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not going to make sacrifices like that for something that is really cool, regardless of how cool it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so um, before we wrap up tonight, do you want to get into a couple of emails with me? Yeah, absolutely. Let's dig into them. Um, we have two this evening. We actually have a third that is a voicemail from our buddy Richie in Boston. But I really want to save that for Will because... Uh, Richie takes us to school about some Boston-related things, so we'll save that one for when Will comes back next week. But without fail, we have 
the two sides of the great Kia D. Mundy debate riding in this week. And that is Joe and King Tom. And Joe has a question for us. Will and Halls, I hope you're doing well. I was thinking about Kevin Smith movies tonight and remembered that Halls has stated many times that he listens to all of Kevin Smith's podcasts. This made me think of an important question you two must address. We have many Star Wars podcasts in our lives. Most importantly, we have Blue Harvest. We also have Rogue One, a podcast for winners, as well as Now This Is Podcasting. There are others, but those are my top three in that order. That is some fucking high praise. That is a nice group to be among. Granted, I'm yeah, on two of those. Yeah, but that's great. Here's my question. Is the Star War- in the Star Wars universe itself, what character deserves his or her own podcast? The obvious answer is Kia D. Mundi, so he could spend hours regaling listeners with his countless heroic or- and or romantic conquests. <laughs> but we have to go beyond the obvious. What Star Wars character would you want to have regu- want to have a regularly scheduled podcast, and what would they call their show? How about Dexter Jetster, Obi-Wan's buddy at the diner in episode two? I'm sure he's seen a lot. Dining with Dexter sounds catchy. Mm-hmm. How about Lando's love line? I would listen to that for sure. That would be awesome. Utini, junkyards with Jawas. And Chewbacca's catching up with Kashik. Anyway, keep up the great work. I would personally pay a subscription for a podcast hosted by King Tom and myself <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. We would take tr- weekly trips to planets like Hoth and Utapau to debate how Kia D. Mundi would win battles in any given environment. <clears throat> I did in- indeed try to keep this email shorter, but I got on a roll. Apology to you and your listeners, Joe. That's That wasn't that long, buddy. Yeah, that was, no, not at all. So what do you think, Evan? Who do you think would have a Star Wars podcast in Star Wars, and what would it be about? You know who I think would be super fascinating would be Watto. Oh, yeah. It would be like uh, the Pawn Stars podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like you'd hear him like banter with people and have like some Tatooine guests and stuff like that. That would be, that would be a very interesting podcast. I would love to listen to that. And for some reason, his voice is kind of like addicting to listen to. I don't know what it is. There's, yeah. there's something about it. Um, well, what would you say? You know, in, <coughs> in Rebels, um, Ezra's parents are basically podcasters. Mm, yeah, that's true. <laughs> going against the Empire, which I, I always thought was kind of neat. Um, uh, let's see. Who, who would I like to have a Star Wars podcast? Oh, Boba Fett. Yes. Hunting with Fett. And he would just—it would be like Dog the Bounty Hunter, but Boba Fett in audio <laughs> form, and a much less racist. And yes. oh my god, yeah, no mullet. So, um, uh, and probably like winner already. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we could—I think that would be a fascinating listen. Uh, I would like to hear Bib Fortuna's podcast that he does in the Sly, like when he's not working for Jabba, <laughs> just about yep. the weird shit that goes on in Jabba's palace and what it's like working for a big fucking slug. <laughs> um, I think that would be an entertaining listen. Oh, um, Plo Koon would be a good one. Oh, yeah. Daily Wisdom with Plo Koon. Yes. I would listen to that for oh. sure. That's probably my favorite prequel era Jedi. Um, yeah, you know what? The Clone Wars did an amazing job of fleshing him out. They sure did. They sure did. I've actually been re-watching Clone Wars a little bit here and there when I can't find something else to watch. And 
real early on, there's that uh, that arc where they get stranded out in space, and he's in the escape pod with the um, the the clone troopers and stuff, and he's trying to keep them calm and telling them like you know he values their life and he's not going to let them die and stuff. And yes, that that episode alone, I think, has a lot to do with why I like that character so much. So, mm-hmm. and that's it's funny too is going real back. Uh, quick to it is when my buddy was seeing the Jedi Council. He was like, he's like, he pointed the platoon instantly. He's like, I like him. He goes, I hope he has a big role. I'm like, well, keep waiting. <laughs> eh, not so much a big role, but damn, a cool design. Yeah, exactly. Um, so such a cool design. But yeah, um, so I think platoon would have an awesome show. Yeah, he would. I think he would indeed. Um, let's see who else. Let's try to come up with enough. Like I would say some of the like politicians and stuff but i'm not necessarily that interested in um like a political podcast in the real world so i don't really know that i would listen to one in star wars yeah you'd have like mon mothma npr type of deal oh yeah 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 Yeah, it's it's a little classical music in between yeah oh speaking of npr okay so like uh you know that podcast uh shit what was it called serial Yes. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see like a serial style Star Wars crime podcast where mm-hmm. like there's uh, this lady that's trying to figure out if Ahsoka really, um, you know, did the crime, did and, the crime yeah. that got her kicked out of the Jedi Order and stuff like that would be cool. You know that, you know what, to be completely honest with you, like if, if somebody was to hear this idea and like do that, like you could, you could actually really pull that off almost kind of like a audio drama, like pretending to be in that universe and doing like this did Ahsoka do it wrongful crime type deal. That would be kind of cool to listen to. I'd definitely listen to that. That would be cool. And then you could do like a um, sort of a longer one that investigated uh, Chancellor Palpatine and his sudden rise to power and stuff. And yeah. Yeah, you could, w- yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff that you could do with something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that could be pretty cool. All right. Uh, well, thanks for writing in, Joe. Uh, next up, we got Joe's favorite sparring partner, King Tom. <laughs> Halls and Will, like you guys, I love the idea of an Obi-Wan movie. Those 20 years Obi-Wan was on Tatooine could tell some really interesting stories. And there's been an arc in the comic book that gave an idea of the stuff he went through to watch after Luke. But there's a few things I don't want. There does not need to be an Obi-Wan trilogy. The story should not take him off Tatooine, and Vader should stay away. Part of the tragedy of Obi-Wan and Yoda's stories are that they are in exile. Their purposes are to meditate and guard the future. Taking Obi-Wan off-planet or expanding his story to make it something where he saves the galaxy only diminishes the rest of the saga. Although, I wouldn't mind a movie where Obi-Wan lays the smack down on Ghost Kia D. Mundi for two hours. Thanks for reading your pal King Tom. What do you feel about the possibility of an Obi-Wan movie, Evan? What, is that something you'd be interested in? What would you like to see him do if they do do it? So, so honestly, Obi-Wan spinoff is the spinoff I want the absolute most. Right on. You know, because I feel like it's a, it's a really good time to do it, obviously, with Ewan McGregor's age, like everybody else has said, and he's on board to do it. And um, I, I think that would be really fascinating. I went through a lot of ideas when I, whenever I was thinking about like what I would want to see. And I think what I ended up coming up with or settling on of what I want to see is you watched uh, Daredevil Netflix, right? Yes. Okay. I want to see Obi-Wan kind of get 
really his I want I want the story to be very small in a way, you know, where where Tatooine is basically his hell's kitchen. And Oh yeah. Like I want him to deal with things where if you really think about the grand scale of things, like if you're thinking on an Avenger <coughs> level, like Hell's Kitchen means nothing to the Avengers. Same thing with Tatooine. You think about Tatooine, that means nothing on the scale of Vader and the Empire. But like it's like if you tell the story right and don't break away from the scale too much, you can make like tiny things in Tatooine seem like a, like world-changing issues. Right, right. And, and then you add in the element that you know what could happen could affect the life of Luke would also make it very fascinating. And obviously you would have Obi-Wan conquer it by the end of the film. But whenever you watch A New Hope, you would look at it differently and say, wow, like this kid has no idea what shit storm was avoided thanks to that old man. He didn't just sit there and watch on a hill. That is a, you know, that is a really good point. Because if you think about it, to use your analogy of Daredevil, like the Avengers would never get involved with taking down Kingpin. Mm-hmm, exactly. But just because the Avengers don't get involved doesn't mean that the that Kingpin doesn't need to be taken down. Yeah. That he's still not an asshole that needs to have his ass kicked by a guy that can't see. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, I, you know, I think that would be a really smart way to go with it. And honestly, like, you could, because, you know, I don't think you're necessarily going to get Ewan McGregor for as cheap as some of the other people you're getting. Like, I don't think you got to pay Ewan McGregor what you had to pay Harrison Ford to get him to come back for The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. But you also can't pay him as little as you play, paid, like, uh, Daisy, Daisy Ridley. Ridley or John Boyega, you know? Yeah. Um, and and really, like, I, I think that as a, a business decision, um, having a movie solely set on one planet could be, like, a nice little cost-saving measure. And I would be interested to see a Star Wars movie that isn't constantly hopping between different worlds. Mm-hmm. I know that would, you know, turn some people off because they like seeing their variety of environments and different locations. But I think you could do such such a strong movie solely set on Tatooine and really yeah. sort of explore the criminal underworld mm-hmm. um, that's going on underneath the surface of everything in Tatooine. And yeah, man, I, I think that could be a strong movie. I think so too, because even if, okay, so even if you have the people who don't like the idea of it being contained on one planet, if you want a movie with multiple planets, hey, like that's what the saga movies are for. The whole point, of the standalones is to give you a flavor that you haven't tasted yet. Exactly. You know, and you then if you keep it on the planet, you don't have to worry too much about um, his actions interfering with the overall lore of, you know, what has already happened. So I think you could work really well with that. You can include some of um, the huts in it. Yeah. Because you have that whole entire crime ring there. So that would be fascinating. Um you know, and like you wouldn't even have to really include Luke in it. Just kind of have like this, or there this this undertone that what is what the bad guy is pushing forward would <coughs> would affect Luke in some way. Like maybe they're yeah. trying to eradicate, you know, whoever. I don't know, but something like that. But that's um, what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think you know, unless you and McGregor is just saying that publicly to like get people to to like him which i i don't see happening mm-hmm. but unless that's the case like i don't see why disney wouldn't jump on his willingness to come back and the fact that fans seem stoked on the idea oh big time that's why i've always said like i love the character of obi-wan and long as they do it right 
to where it doesn't interfere with a new hope, then I'm mm-hmm. all for it. I would love to see him come back. To me, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is almost more Obi-Wan than Alec Guinness to me at some times, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think he he really fits that well. And it's like, if you are Disney and Lucasfilm, and in their opinion, if you think that the prequels are some type of wound that you know you want to avoid, why not tackle something that's only going to help the the viewership on it? Because essentially, I mean, regardless of what what you know certain people think about Batman vs Superman, I would say Ewan McGregor is like how Ben what Ben Affleck is to Batman vs Superman. You know, it's like people don't think they're the greatest things in the world, but this is the best highlight of it. And right. It's like, why exactly. Not, why not spotlight that when the pieces are like right in front of you? So I think that's going to be the one that they're going to announce for, um, what is it, 2020? Yeah. It's either that one or Boba Fett. That's my opinion. Yeah. You know, that I think it's between those two. And I've said this before when um, they first announced spinoff movies. I was like, well, the first one's going to be Boba Fett, guys. Buckle up. Yeah. But, you know, clearly that's not the case. Um, and unless they have, because I, I view Rogue One as sort of a curveball as far as spinoff movies. Mm-hmm. To me, Rogue One was the kind of movie I could see them doing after they did a few movies, uh, spinoff movies with characters that were already established. Um, and in a way, I really like that they threw us that curveball, you know? Yeah. Um, so unless they have some other curveball up their sleeve, I think you're right. I think it's it's down to an Obi-Wan or a Boba Fett. And if I had to guess, just from internet hype alone, and and really I don't know how much attention they pay to that, but I'm, I'm seeing a lot more positive discussion about a possible Obi-Wan movie than mm-hmm. I am a Boba Fett. So they, they would probably end up going with that first if yeah, I had to guess. I agree. I, th- I think the biggest reason too why, why I want Obi-Wan to be before Boba Fett is because I think... I mean, I understand that it was like Star Wars Underworld had not gotten off the ground or whatever, but I feel like in today's age, you can take that Boba Fett story and you can give it justice over a series, whereas you're not going to get Ewan McGregor for a Star Wars TV show. Oh, if Netflix announced tomorrow, hey, we are going to do some Star Wars live action shows. We're going to take the Marvel model and we're going to do a Star Wars live action show. And the first one is Boba Fett. That would be just as good to me as a Boba Fett movie. Oh, exactly. You I know? mean, that's the best case scenario is like Boba Fett, you know, TV show and and Obi Wan movie because, you know, you can you can put Boba Fett in a movie, but I like I said, I don't think you could ever convince Ewan McGregor to lock up his schedule or afford him. You know, right? Well, I mean, they could afford him. Let's let's be honest, but or willing to pay what you know having multiple seasons of his story and it's it's hard because like we said you know it's hard to come up with something that would stretch that long but that's my hope but then again i was super thrown off i think more by the han solo movie than i was by rogue one you know yeah i honestly felt like um a young Han Solo movie was sort of a given honestly when we heard about these um spin-offs mm-hmm. um and I look the fact that Lawrence Kasdan is is writing it and the Lego guys are directing it were surprises to me. But that seems like such an iconic character who does have you know a backstory that we've heard little bits and pieces about through the movies and stuff. That I think there's enough there to give us 
you know, a good movie, um, as long as this dude they've cast does a good job, then what's interesting to me is like how I just said a few minutes ago, um, that Obi or Ewan McGregor is more Obi Wan to me than Alec Guinness sometimes. Now mm-hmm. I, I go back and forth on that, like because in A New Hope, if Alec Guinness is on the screen and talking, I'm fucking enraptured, you know. Oh yeah, um, but man, you know I just can't take away from what um, Ewan McGregor did. It's going to be interesting to see, and I don't think with our generation or the older generations it'll ever be the case. But there will be those kids who Alden Ehrenreich is their Han Solo. Yeah, you're right. You're and that's right. going to be interesting. And you know what I wonder, too, is I wonder if the placement of the Han Solo movie was strictly based on the fact that Lawrence Kasdan picked that to be his movie. You well, know? I, I and I could be wrong about this. I think when they first started getting all this off the ground, before he was even on The Force Awakens, I think he's they hired him to do Han Solo. Yeah, like from what, some of the stuff that I'd heard, apparently they said to him after they had gotten him for The Force Awakens and he was finished with that, they said to him, "This is these are some of the projects that we're thinking about doing. Which would you want to do most for your last project? And I guess he picked personally Han Solo. Oh, okay, because that may have been what it was. I, I could be wrong. I, mean, I thought it was right. backwards maybe where he was signed on to do Han Solo and was working on the script with his son and they were like, oh. hey – we're bringing JJ on. Would you mind also helping with the Force no, Awakens? But you know I, what? I could okay. be wrong about that. No, no, you're right. You know that clears it up. So I think the way that it happened was he was just specifically just brought on to pick his movie for the right. standalone, and then that's when he picked Han Solo. And I think as they were working on that, that's whenever when JJ was working on it, he needed a little bit of backup, and that's when they he also did that. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was before he was on Han Solo before the Force Awakens. That's right. Yeah, and and you know when you look at it that way, Han Solo the movie at least in the scripting stage has been in development for a little while, and that makes me really wonder because we had that quote last week from Bob Iger like what what do they have in the pipeline? Like he said they are planning for what they're going to do in twenty twenty one and beyond. Like they've clearly got a battle plan, and I cannot wait to see how oh, that all yeah. plays out. It's, yeah, it really is an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. And it's funny because I can't even sit here and predict where they're going to go because I had all these preconceived thoughts of what The Force Awakens would be. Totally not what I expected. Loved it, but right. it wasn't what I expected. So, Oh, yeah, because the minute I heard Episode Seven was coming and stuff and, and, you know, immediately people were like, and the rumor is that, you know, the big three are coming back. I was like, oh, shit, Luke's going to have an army of Jedi and there's mm-hmm. going to be a new Sith and the gang's going to be back on the Millennium Falcon together, whipping around the galaxy, having adventures, and they're going to all have kids, and they're going to be yep. the new characters. And Yeah, they turned that around on us, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. And as time goes on, I, I genuinely do not believe Ray is Luke's child. Yeah, I'm starting to get into that camp, too. I don't know, because I'll tell you right now, as soon as The Force Awakens ended, I looked over at Jesse and Will and my buddy Bryce, who were all sitting with me, and I was like, that lady's Luke's kid. Yeah, that's how I felt. I'm like, that has to be. But and then, like, as all the stuff is coming out, I'm like, mm. yeah, I, I want it to be. I want it to be too, just because, like, to me, the the thing about 
making a character that is the offspring of such a beloved character, be it Han Solo or, you know, Han Solo and Leia or Luke is the one thing I would be worried about is that you, it's going to be tough to make a character that stands up shoulder to shoulder with their, their parents when their parents are such cool characters. You know what I mean? And to me, Ray does it, man. Like Ray kicks so much ass. Daisy Ridley is so amazing in the role that I would not be upset um, mm-hmm. if she is Luke's kid because I'm like, yes, she stands shoulder yeah. to shoulder with Luke. She is as important. Like I like her as much as Luke. Like this could be great. Now this is this is totally uh, with two movies having been unseen. I don't think they're going to crash that ship and make it to where I don't like Ray or don't think she's a good character. But you know, I guess it's always a possibility. Yeah, I mean, they could always do some type of thing that doesn't work with what you think might be the direction. But, I mean, you got to, like, the best thing about it is, like, thinking about it this way is a lot of people will still love her even if she isn't Luke's daughter. Like, that's not the reason why people love her. Right, right. And I, and I think that's the best thing about her character. She's totally Luke independent. Right. Yeah, because that's the thing. If she's not Luke's uh, kid, it's not going to... um affect me one way one bit with as much as I like the character like it's not going to change my opinion of the character Mm -hmm. um you know and and that is good to me that was their biggest hurdle um with episode seven is they needed to get the casting right and they needed to introduce characters that I cared much as much about uh these new people as as the old people and had you told me um, when they first announced these new movies that Luke was only going to be in five minutes, not even five minutes, a couple minutes at the end, and that you know Han Solo was going to die and all this stuff, I would have been like, okay, Han Solo makes sense, but there's no way they would do that. And like, I'm not going to like this movie if Luke's not in it. But the characters yeah. were so strong and so well portrayed that it didn't affect me at once. At mm-hmm. once. Like, yeah. you know, after the movie was over, I was like, damn. Luke wasn't in that at all, but yep. fuck, I can't wait for episode eight. That was my exactly. first thought. So, I mean, exactly. well done on them on that part. And that, and that's the thing too, is they had completely earned my trust from doing that. But I will say that there's only one reservation that I have that to me, I think if they do that, it'll really hurt the way I see the movies is I truly do not want them to, to kill off an original trilogy main three with each movie. You know, I do not. Yes. I do not want that. Like, you know, <laughs> I I don't think that we're going to get through this trilogy without either Le- Luke or Leia dying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of them is probably going to go before this trilogy is up. But I don't want it to be like, okay, episode seven, we kill Han. Episode eight, we kill Leia. Episode nine, we kill Luke. Yeah. Like, give us a break. Yeah. Um, and in either of those characters, I could see surviving on in some capacity you know, into the possible next trilogy if they do it. With Leia, she could be the matronly government type or leader of whatever new government is put together after this big galactic calamity, you know? Mm -hmm. And she could serve that advisory role, um, you know, as she gets older and stuff. And as, you know, she could still be in the movies and have an important role. Same thing with Luke. Like, if Luke survives, he could be the patronly is that is the opposite of matronly patronly leader of the new jedi order where maybe he doesn't show up for every battle scene but he's almost in like that nick fury 
yes. um, role where he's got the info you need and he shows up at the the time you need him and and stuff like that. So, and that's the thing is, in my opinion, based on that, I think it's it would be a lot easier to write that can that like that quiet continuation for Leia than it would be for Luke. I think because and this isn't any offense to Leia and, and the fans of her. But I feel like when you know Luke is out there, you just want to see him. But like, yeah. if you, you know Leia's out there, and it's like if you know she's leading the Senate, it's like, okay, well, that might not affect the villains so much. But then if you have villains whose problem is most likely going to be the Jedi, like I feel like Luke's always going to be a target or yeah. a thought. And the other thing is, is um, you also have to wonder, like when speaking about Rey and Luke's relationship, mm-hmm. like... Ray at some point is going to have to show that she can do things without Luke having her back, you know? Yeah. yeah exactly. Like you don't want her always relying on Luke having her back to come in and save the day. I am 100% fine with Luke coming in and saving the day at some point in these next two movies, but <laughs> you got to let Leia stand on her own or not Leia. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Ray stand on her own too. And I, I wonder if it's kind of hard to do that with a character like Luke around. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, if Luke has to go at the end of nine, like I can understand that. I just think for me, I just really hope that we see like maybe like a longer burn of these main characters, you know, because yeah. after the original trilogy, I mean, you went backwards. But like I would love to see a whole other trilogy continuing possibly where where Ray is at and how she evolved and where she's going. And it's like, you know, you have five movies or six, say six movies with Ray and like being able to watch that development. I don't want to start over with new people and feel like every new trilogy is, you know, a new generation, which I'm with you on that. I like these new characters so much that, you know, I, I would like for almost for this trilogy to be all like, you know, in a lot of ways, episode seven was about passing the torch to the new generation. Mm-hmm. I would kind of like that to be the theme of this new trilogy in general. And then next trilogy is where, like, it's main, you know, it's 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 all Ray all the time, basically. Yeah, all Ray and Finn. And, and yeah, stuff. like the whole new trilogy is built on what they created in this trilogy, you know? Right. And then hopefully, like, hey, look, if we're getting Star Wars movies to the end of the time... The trilogy after this uh, supposed sequel trilogy after the sequel trilogy, then give me the next generation after yeah. Ray and yes. them. E- exactly. Totally fine with that. Exactly. Um, you know, I just I want more Star Wars. So just uh, and I want more Ray, man. Like Ray, I love her. So great, so great. I, I, I just really hope though, and this is has nothing to against Daisy Ridley as a person, but it's like how many times have we seen in Hollywood where like. You have this great, humble, you know, kind of low-level actress who's, like, unknown, really. And then, like, eventually they blow up and then they become too good for certain things. I hope I hope she never goes that path. I don't think she would. It's yeah. just because I never, I never want to not, her to... It's, it's Okay, it's like Natalie Portman, for example. Not that she was a no-name. She had a name. But it's like knowing that she hated being in Star Wars, it kind of sucks when I watch it and I think that like, yeah. she doesn't enjoy this world that I love. You know? Yeah, I hope that does. I, I know exactly what you mean. Because, I mean, look, she's young. And, like, mm-hmm. she is. she went from being pretty much an unknown to being in 
the second highest grossing movie of all time. <sighs> Insane. You know? Like, even if you take the Star Wars name off of it and just say the second highest grossing movie of all time, huh. two and a half something billion dollars. Yep. Like, you know, and I think a lot of times with kid actors or, or younger actors, um, it has a lot to do with their parents and stuff, you know, and, and the kind of support system they come from. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, that's all in place and she's got some people to help her keep her feet on the ground. But yeah, yeah I, I don't want it to get to the point where she's bad talking Star Wars or doesn't yeah, want to exactly. come back for more movies. Like, that's the thing I don't understand. Like, Michael Keaton, when he got the Batman role, like, wouldn't come back for a third movie. Like, you're motherfucking Batman. Like, yep. if they gave me the role of Batman, I would put that suit on until I they either told me, hey, we don't want you to be Batman anymore, <laughs> yeah. or I couldn't physically get in the suit anymore. You yeah, know? exactly. Because essentially, what you're saying is, is that your next project after Batman, you chose that over being Batman. Like, you're, you would have rather been you know, this character rather than Batman for however long you wanted to. And it's hard for me personally to think of a scenario that a role comes along and I'm like, wow, that is better than being Batman. You know, right. <laughs> the only one that would beat out being Batman to me would be like, okay, uh, we want you to be in star Wars, but you got to stop being Batman. Like that Batman costume oh. would hit the trash <laughs> so fucking fast. Yep. Make your head spin. Even if I was like a, like a, maybe like a, side character background character like you don't even have to make me the main character star wars and i would drop that quick oh yeah oh yeah for so. sure well dude i think that's gonna do it for us tonight thank you so much for coming and talking some star wars with me oh absolutely i was uh i figured i could help you out since uh i know you how badly you don't want to do Haas solo part two so no <laughs> No, I do not want to do one of those again. And, uh, yeah, you really helped me out, buddy. Uh, We'll make sure next time um, you come on we get the full Blue Harvest experience and make sure Will's here and stuff. Oh, absolutely. I'd be be happy to come back on. Hopefully I did Will some justice, uh, you know, filling in the hole. I know nobody can replace him, but... No, man, I think you you turned in a strong performance here. I think... um, I think you turned in a Ewan McGregor in the prequel (laughs) style performance on the podcast tonight. Well, hopefully people will want some spinoffs, so we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, before we go, where can our listeners follow you on Twitter? Is there, do you, do you have a a site where we can check out all your kick-ass art and stuff? Actually, so first where you can find me on Twitter, it's at edechellis25, which is E-D-E-C-H-E-L-L-I-S 25. Um, And then most of my artwork I put on Behance dot net is what it is and Uh all you have to do is type in behance.net slash evan the chalice and just type type that full in um and then coming up soon i'll be teasing some materials because i'm working on a graphic novel right now that i oh yeah yeah so i I wrote it and its script is like 117 pages nice i cannot wait all right so I mean, if you don't want to go into the details or anything, we can we can take this conversation off air. Are you going to be doing uh, self-publishing? Are you going to try and Kickstarter this? Or what are we talking about here? Well, pretty pretty much what I think I'm going to do is after I'm done, I'm going to see how expensive it is going to be to mass produce it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once that hits, I'm going to try to maybe tease people with it, try to see their interest, and then probably try to do a Kickstarter as far as, you know, doing copies and stuff like that. Awesome. But, um, but yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be really fun. I think it'll be a really good, 
you know, emotional story that I think a lot of people will connect with. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm hoping for the best. Can't wait. You heard it here first, guys. Uh, We will absolutely be reminding you guys about that when it comes up. So look forward to some more information on that. Um, And check out all of Evan's sites. Make sure to follow Will at WillWitten3 on Twitter. Um, Send him a tweet and let him know you missed him this week. Mm -hmm. Um, If you like our theme song, please support the band who was nice enough to provide the music for it. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can get their album on iTunes, on Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And uh, if you want a little preview of the artistic stylings of our buddy Evan here, and would like a little Blue Harvest merch, you can get that at tpublic.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And be on the lookout for... A super sexy and a super spooky shirt coming uh, sometime in the near future. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think that's going to about do it for this week. So, uh, for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast, I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm Evan DeCellis. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you all. May the Force be with us. <laughs>